What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Industrial Marketing Show. So this is going to be a little bit of a different episode. We're not the number one uh, podcast in the manufacturing space um, anymore because uh, pretty sad to say this is going to be our last episode. Um, and that sucks to say, but uh, we'll give you a little bit of background on why we decided to get to this point. And then we are going to have like a little truncated quick episode just to sort of talk a little bit. But I think really for MJ and I, it's, it's going to be a, a bit of a trip down memory lane. And then uh, we have a logical successor to our podcast who we wanted to plug, um, which is part of what went into our thinking to sunset the podcast. But um, I don't know, MJ, you want to you want to kind of kind of kind of start with your just thoughts overall or, or give some give some color to, to why we're while we're winding it down here? Well, listen, for what it's worth, first of all, we are still the number one podcast for marketers in the manufacturing <laughs> space. It's just we that, are. you know, we're, we're going out on top, right? Yeah. Um, no, I mean, like we, we've kind of, we talked uh, earlier this year when, when I moved to CoLab, Matt moved to Refine Labs, um, about maybe uh, publishing less frequently. Um, and we've just come to the realization that, hey, like uh, if we can't commit to publishing weekly, uh, then you guys might not get as much value out of it. Uh, and and it's, it's actually super fun for Matt and I to do these episodes, but uh, we want to make sure that we leave everybody on a high note. And, you know, uh, our friends over at Gorilla76, they're launching a new podcast called The Manufacturing Marketer. And uh, so there is, as Matt said, a natural successor. So um, instead of, like, you know, continuing on this slower tempo, we would love for all of you to... Uh, go over and check out the manufacturing marketer. They're going to cover lots of the same topics that uh, we have covered here over the years. Um, and Matt and I will perhaps be an occasional guest over there. Yeah, so, we will be um, an occasional guest. I'll also, I'll also vouch because like Mary Keo, if you're not following on LinkedIn, you probably aren't on LinkedIn and then an industrial. And then uh, Brendan Forrest, who's also part of Gorilla, like, these are two people that just full disclosure, I hired them at Gorilla and I was just incredibly impressed by both of them. So I personally can vouch for them both. I think Mary in particular is an absolute rock star. Um, so, and I think they're both honestly rock stars. So they're worth your time and worth your listen listenership if you haven't considered or if you haven't heard of it yet. Um, and they're going to run this podcast kind of in, in syndication for a little bit. They're going to syndicate some of their podcast on this platform or on our show just so you can get a taste of it. And then eventually they're going to, they're going to transition to their podcast uh, page in full, but man, please give them a listen. Cause they're both really good and they're really smart. They're really hungry. And just like MJ and I, you know, really where we were two years ago, they're learning really fast and getting better really quickly. And that was kind of the, the magic of the show for us. Wasn't it MJ? I mean, we're you know, getting into kind of the, the meat of the episode here where we talked about, the maturity model, right? The mar the industrial marketing maturity model. We talked about step one was doing nothing. And then step two was like, you get some SEO and you get some webinar, you get some content going, you know, get a little content going. And then, you know, three, step three is you actually learn how to create demand. Um, and yeah, I think for us, I think that model kind of reflected our own maturity path, right? Because when we started uh, this podcast, you were basically a new VP, right? And yeah. I was a, a new director and uh, we both just saw this void in the space and we were both working with uh, with small teams or no teams. 
Um, and we were wanting to challenge ourselves and, and really through just talking to each other, I think more than anything, we really got to learn a lot of shared experiences and it made us both better. And I think what was really cool, what's been really cool about the show is it's really followed our career trajectory a lot over the last couple of years, which I think for both of us has been astronomical uh, in a lot of ways. Like you went from being a, a VP at a, at a mid-sized industrial firm to going and working at Refine and now you're, and now you're working uh, with CoLab, um, you know, getting equity stake and stuff like that. And for me, it was like, you know, being a, being a marketing director for a mid-sized industrial firm, getting to a FinTech, not, it not working out, going back into consulting, which I hadn't done before, and then getting to a company that I'd been angling to get at for a couple of years and refine. And I think for me, like, you know, the this podcast has been very, very life-changing. I think I'll look back at it as one of the, the greatest professional development things I've ever done in my life. I mean, I think 20 years from now, I'm going to feel the same way um, because of just what's happened to me. Um, for and for a lot of reasons for just having the podcast for just having the courage to just step behind a microphone and 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 feel uncomfortable and and just you know having a, a stick to itiveness to to work through it because we sucked our first few episodes and it got better um and yeah we're just uh you know just right now we're um i think we're just at a stage where the the podcast is has served its purpose for us and i think there's just an uh there's a, a another tandem of, of industrial marketers who are really kind of following the same footsteps. And it just, it just feels right to give it to, to, to people like them. Cause in a few years, they'll probably be in the same place that we are. Um, and, um, and, you know, they'll probably write it past it to someone else who maybe got inspired by, by listening to them. Totally. Um, yeah. So I did the math and uh, we've been doing this podcast for over two years and uh, between the two of us, seven jobs. So uh, say what you will about me and Matt popping jobs. But uh, uh, this podcast has seen a lot. Um, and my, uh, in addition to all the career development, my greatest takeaway from the podcast is a very good friendship with Matt. Although I yeah, still haven't met him in person. Absolutely. Because like, look, we, we have this podcast. And yeah, we did it once a week for a long time. And we went to a couple of months. But MJ and I text like almost every week. As an aside, just just stuff we see on LinkedIn or things that make us laugh or things that we're going through at our jobs. So like, yeah, I mean, MJ, even though we still have not met yet, and we'll solve that one day. But like, um, but yeah, I mean, gosh, just a, a professional friend that uh, I can I can always I can always reach out to, and has always had good advice for me whenever I've I've had something to, to work through in general. So that's been very rewarding in and of itself. And it was just funny, right? Because like when we started the podcast. We both sort of wanted to get into this. We didn't know each other whatsoever. We just kind of like eyed each other on LinkedIn kind of awkwardly. And we're like, hey, you want to try this out? <laughs> we had never even talked in person before when we started this ever. We just got on a got on a Zoom and we were like, okay, let's record episode one. <laughs> and then we just kind of worked it out from there. And then we like forced chemistry. I mean, it was easy, right? Because we got along. And, uh, you know, we had, uh, you were more strategic and I was more tactical. And I think I've caught up a little bit more on the strategic uh, side since then. But like, I, I have not caught up on the tactical. <laughs> no, you have. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's just this really natural rapport. It's real natural chemistry that just kind of developed. And it was, it's been great. You know, I mean, I, I don't have any, um, anything but like just sad memories. <laughs> <laughs> the nostalgia. Okay, so 
Um, we want to leave you with one last nugget of value. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, reflecting back on this podcast, uh, I was mentioning to Matt the other day, like when we started, we were, as Matt brought up earlier, like both in these mid-sized manufacturing companies, like Matt had been a director for, I don't know, two, three years, and I had been a VP no, for like a year and a half. I've been a director for like six months. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. So Matt has been a director for six months, and I've been, I think I've been a VP for like maybe a year. And, uh, and, and so we were still in these companies really focused on like, uh, that zero to one, right? Like companies that are not doing mostly any marketing, but like certainly not any digital marketing. And what do you do in that situation? And then as we like changed companies and made progress in the companies we were in, like we kind of shifted into this second phase of maturity where like, okay, now you did the SEO, you did the webinars, what are you going to do next? And then more recently, even I think we've been tackling some pretty advanced topics around like messaging and positioning, strategic narrative, like mm-hmm. demand creation, all that good stuff. So um, let's briefly touch on uh, as kind of like putting a bow on everything, each of those three levels of maturity um, and our best pieces of advice for people in each of those situations, starting with you got no marketing going on. What do you do? Do you want me to start? Of course. All right. Well, if you have no marketing going on, you need to figure out what you even, what bets you even want to make, you know, that, that kind of, I mean, I spend, spend your first 30 days, just getting to know your sales team, getting to know the market, getting to know the customer as much as possible. You know, if, if you can go on the road with a couple salespeople and go visit some customers, you know, see if you can see if you can do that. Um, my guess is that your CRM is going to be not very useful for you. So I wouldn't rely much on that. I would, you know, talk to your salespeople, get a lay of the land of the industry, things like that. Go visit customers. And then if you can go just call some customers and ask and ask some questions, devise a survey, a really brief one, then survey out your entire customers. Like you need research when you're doing nothing, right? Get some research so you have some knowledge to make some rec- recommendations for what you want to do when you're when you're new and the company's been doing nothing. There's gonna just be a lot of eyes on you, especially when you wanna when you wanna make major changes, when you wanna get away from traditional and get into digital more. There's gonna be a lot of questions about it. Um, a lot of people are going to think, oh, it's more cost effective. It's not. Um, so if, 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 if don't tell anyone that it's cheaper, just tell them that it's more efficient um, because that's, that's, that's the truth there. Um, and then, yes, yeah, start with research. And then once you have research, like the first thing, first place you have to start is content. You really can't do anything else without content. So, you know, once you, once you kind of have the research determined, what you want to talk about and how you want to talk about it and where your, where your audience spends time and you need to start. I mean, it's a slow burn and you're starting from nothing, but you got to start somewhere because everyone did. Yeah. And um, so I would say in this zero to one uh, situation, definitely do research. We did an episode called tactical customer research that explains like how you can actually execute that. It'll give you kind of a step-by-step process. So that's a good place to start. And Mm -hmm. like Matt said, I think content and like SEO content, honestly, it's like such a proven, safe, cost-effective bet um, that so many industrial companies still just don't do. So like it's it's probably a pretty quick win um, that you can start executing. And it's it's friendly. Like when I didn't know anything about marketing, I started doing SEO and I made a huge impact. So like 
like I think it's it's sometimes hard for Matt and I to like think back to like when did my brain not even comprehend positioning? But I'll tell you what, like yeah, <laughs> yeah there, was, there was a time for sure. There was definitely a time when it didn't. It was just like, hey, let's figure out like all these how to, what if questions and start writing content about it. And so just like some pro tips on that, because most people are going to go that route because that's all they're going to have bandwidth for, budget for, what we get time to do. Um, like concentrate very hard on your layout, you know, like make it friendly for people to read it and then take a next step and and convert if they read this and, and make clear that your company can solve for this problem. I think it's very easy to simply write a post and then forget or just assume that people will think you solve for this, but you, you need to keep, you need to reiterate and make it crystal clear all the time, find creative ways to, to present that, but concentrate on your layout and your call to action, have it. And we had, we did an episode on this as well. I think around, around, um, you know, like easy wins that you can, that you can, um, that you can enact, but you know, focus a lot on layout and just getting that call to action. But yeah, you know, you're going to start with SEO. You're right. I mean, that's where I started. Um, don't, don't make SEO to be this big technical thing. Okay. Like you're not going to be an SEO technical expert, nor should you, nor should your company expect to, if they really want to make big technical improvements, you should hire someone to do it for you. Your focus when it comes to SEO is to simply write the best content you can, like the absolute best, most comprehensive, most detailed, most true content you humanly are capable of doing. 100%. Uh, you don't need to be a technical SEO expert to win an industrial because none of your competition is. Um, so a couple other episodes for zero to one peeps, uh, zero to one content strategy, and uh, don't overcomplicate industrial SEO. Here's how. Those are two episodes you can look up um, for more tactical advice on this. The, the other place that you might get a quick win is like re- just literally rewriting product descriptions. If you have a lot of product pages on your website, yeah. I did that in my first marketing role and it made a huge difference. Okay. One to two. Uh, what do you go? Once you've unlocked SEO, you're doing some content. Where do you go from there? First place my head goes is oh, try to get the CRM slash marketing automation going. I think for me, the next, the next thing I do is after I prove that I can get people to the website, I start to get my sales team more involved and say, Hey, it's time for us to, you know, get you all's, your all's faces in front of, in front of more people. Um, and so at that point I'm looking at, you know, doing webinars, doing live events, whatever you want to call it. But, you know, I'm definitely looking to do something where it's, it's face to face, if not, you know, if not people to peer human to human, but I definitely want to get my sales team positioned as subject matter experts. If in fact they are, if not, I'm going to my engineering team and doing that, but I'm putting a face on my company. I'm getting people familiar with the people that, that they would work with. I'm establishing thought leadership with them and I'm essentially making it easier for them to sell. So that's the next thing I'm doing. Um, that's like kind of, you know, content, content 2.0. Once you kind of get the SEO going for yourself, uh, you talk about the CRM, like the CRM is, you know, part of that. But I think, you know, I'm just thinking about the level of expertise the, the, who's probably going to be kind of in that zero stage. And really all you need to do for yourself at that point is just figure out in the CRM a way to do basic attribution of marketing Um and, and just look at like, I've gotten really advanced in CRM. I think RevOps is something I've gotten more 
interested in in the last nine months than probably anything is just the mechanics and the guts of CRM, of CRM architecture and like how it works well. And because I've seen plenty of instances where it hasn't, but really for you in the CRM, you just need to be able to report basic on marketing's impact to revenue and pipeline. You know, it doesn't need to be anything more fancy than that. You don't need to get into program spend. You don't need to get into like paid search or organic. You just need to say marketing this. And if they ask you, you can just, you can just go through the leads and go, Hey, these are the leads that went to opportunity. Like, honestly, that's all your executive team is going to want to see at that stage. Yep. Uh, when I first got CRM implemented, like, like actually I call this one to two and not zero to one because like, I actually think you can do a ton of stuff with SEO uh, in, in level one, even if you don't have a CRM. And then maybe once you prove yourself with, with SEO, like your company will, will buy the CRM because you suggest it, right? Because you've now got some credibility from having, you know, notched those quick wins. That's literally what happened to me. I had no budget. And then they gave me a budget for HubSpot once I like started generating leads from SEO um, so like implement the CRM, you, you might have like an old CRM that nobody uses, right? So even just getting the sales team to use it, uh, is a win. You're going to have to partner with your VP of sales on this one, but like, as you progress in your career, it would be awesome to do a project with the VP of sales. Like that's huge exposure. Um, mm-hmm. and you can kind of, you can kind of be like the CRM admin and, and like, uh, take some of that grunt work that the VP of sales doesn't want to do off their plate. Cause your VP of sales like probably wants more traceability in the sales process, just like you want to be able to trace marketing. So they can be a huge ally and, and that can be a really good project from level one to level two for you to do. Um, yeah. I think uh, the other thing that I might uh, start looking into at this point is uh, like value proposition messaging through the lens of segmentation. So like if there are specific verticals or applications that you sell your products to, like use customer research to really understand those applications in detail and make solutions or applications or industry vertical pages on your site using that refreshed messaging. Cause I think value prop messaging is a lot easier to master than like strategic narrative and positioning. So it's a good like first foray into uh, content for your site that is designed for conversion and not for like generating traffic the way that SEO is. Yeah, I got, got nothing to add there. I think working with the VP sales to try to get a CRM update off the ground is a great, is a, is a great idea. It's something where you'll establish yourself as, as credible with the leadership team because you're interested in you know the data and, and, the, and the tracking. It's something where you'd be meeting and probably doing a whiteboard session to figure out what you all even want to do. And then you'll get a chance to get your hands really dirty in there. And I can promise you... CRM fluency, even among people with ops roles, is lacking. So that's a skill you can take almost anywhere with you. So I would, totally. I would concur with that. I do like the value prop stuff too. Um, you know, just, just it's, it's really, it's really quite simple. Like, look at what you all state as a value prop. Look at what your competitors state as a value prop, and say how much do we really stand out. And then, frankly, challenge your product team or your engineering team to say. How do we actually stand out? Because we, because it, because we sound the same as everyone else, you know. And we can't say customer service because that have that that's a realization post sale. Before anyone even works with us, what is our value proposition? Yep, this is all about uh, benefits, kind of in that middle of the messaging pyramid. All right, um, level three. So a couple of thoughts on level three. Um, I think there's two things that you can start doing once you're once you're. Uh, org has mastered like SEO content, maybe webinars and these like middle of the funnel use case conversion pages. 
I think uh, you can think start to think about strategic narrative uh, positioning. This is where I would say like tackle the homepage project. Mm-hmm. A lot of uh, industrial companies have like homepages that don't tell their awful. story at all. Yeah. Like don't convey any positioning, but we the homepage. Have, we must have three episodes on homepages, right? <laughs> three, or yeah. four, three or four pages. Yeah. Four I'm sure like there's, there's also like this episode we did recently called like dust off your origin story and your sales team will thank you or something like that. Like, that's a good one to listen to if you're ready for this. But like, frankly, as much as like the homepage is a super important page, it's really hard to do this one well. And so I would actually like recommend getting your feet wet with the other stuff we already went through before trying to tackle a project like that. But if you're ready for it, do the homepage, do the strategic narrative deck, um, start getting really into sales enablement. And uh, I will leave the create demand stuff to Matt because uh, he's a bona fide expert in that. All right. So the create demand stuff is basically at that point you're getting into, you get a little bit of budget and you get to do ads, right? Like that's where you get to sink your teeth and do some fun stuff in my opinion. So, you know, you're starting with, you're starting with Google ads. I would, I would probably say um, just because you can capture, capture demand there for yourself. So my, my advice, my key advice with Google ads is to please keep it simple for yourself. So figure out, how you want to siphon or block out groups of keywords and get really stringent about it. Like Google's the easiest place to waste a ton of money. Um, and the, the way they do it is like doing things like using broad match keywords, chasing bad, bad token modifiers, like how to, what if, um, you know, help on this. Like what you really want to look for is like, you know, blank machine or, you know, blank machine cost or blank machine price or, you know, best blank machine, you know, like look for those token modifiers around there that signal intent and don't search for things. Don't, don't bid for things that don't show intent. Like you want to make the absolute most out of that as you possibly can. My other advice is to still bid on your company's name and be again, very strict about that. Like exact match my company name, Phrase match my company name, and then use uh, use negatives like jobs, careers, location, stuff like that. Um, because what you want to do one, you want to take up as much real estate on the page as possible, um, and two, you want to get as much conversion data as you can. You're not going to put most of your budget towards that, but you should be tracking that as well. All right, once you kind of get out of the, all right, let's kind of get the 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 lowest hanging fruit, right? Now, now we're getting into like, okay, let's create demand for people. So, you know, figure out what social media platforms your ICP spends time on. And this can vary really widely. Let's say you sell to welders. You're going to be using TikTok and Instagram. You know, let's say you sell to product engineers. You're probably going to go to LinkedIn, you know, um, maybe, maybe you'd even go to Reddit. But, um, but, you know, you got to figure out where your audience spends time and not just where they spend time, but where they spend time consuming content, right? And so you're going you're gonna to have to make some bets on that, but that's okay. Assuming you have a budget, a small budget of three to four grand a month, and I'm assuming most of y'all are going to work with the most budget I've ever seen anyone in industrial work with is like 10 grand a month. And that's fine, you know? Um, Keep the audience reasonable. You want to be able to hit that audience like six times a month per on the on the campaign group level. So when you think about like content piece or broad piece of messaging, 
like six times a month is when you want to hit them. And then various creative iterations under that about, you know, one to three times a month. So, you know, keep that audience in check. You probably, if you have four grand a month, you probably don't want an audience greater than 60,000. Uh, I would say that's probably about a safe bet for you. Um, and then if you, let's say you have 10 grand a month, I would say you probably don't want an audience more than 120,000. You're going to look at your cost per impressions and that's really going to give you a good barometer as to how expensive it is to reach. You're going to talk, you know, 60 to $90 on LinkedIn, 10 to 30 on Facebook. TikTok's going to probably be about 10 to 30. Also, Reddit's going to be actually pretty cheap around like eight to eight to 25 pretty affordable. So, you know, look at your cost per impression. That's a great gauge of how much it's going to cost for you. Give this program, if your president says, well, what's happening in the first few weeks, you know, you need to do a lot of expectation setting on create demand. Um, You do not want to do direct response. You want to get them to your product page. You want to get broad messaging out about your product and what it does, features and outcomes. You want to go to your your key product pages and have them look at it or your key solution pages and have them look at it, but you don't want to convert them on the ad itself. Okay. You want to look at those view conversions, look at those click conversions, um, and then tie it back to the CRM if you can. Use something like how did you hear about us on your primary form so you can you can you can show signals that people are finding you from those. So look at that plus the platform. Um, and then, yeah, you need to give it four, five, six months of, of just a good go. I mean, when you think about it in the grand scheme of things, that's $16,000. Your company should be willing to spend $16,000 to figure out if linked, if your audience can be found on LinkedIn and you can reach them in a way that you can't on a one-to-one level. So I would, um, so I would say do a lot of expectation setting. Keep it simple for yourself. Do not try to do direct response. Look at look at conversions both in the LinkedIn platform and use something like self support attribution to help yourself. And then you're looking for positive signals and and uh, and, a, and a high level of intent from those people coming in. All right, uh, I think uh, Matt, as usual, with like just such detailed advice, um, I think that's why people love to listen. All right. <laughs> um, so that this is going to be it, uh, wrapping it up right here for after two and a half years and seven collective jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, it has been uh, such a pleasure to bring you uh, the industrial marketing tips, tricks, and uh, occasionally long-winded reflections for the past two and a half years. And um, seriously, thank you, everyone who has uh, put up with us for this long. We appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to I want to say like one one last thing and it's um you know the all the all the outreach we've gotten over the couple of years and we've gotten a lot of messages, we've gotten a lot of words of encouragement. I've met I've met people in person who have listened to the podcast like I can't express enough just how humbling that is for from to get that from people who say how much this has helped them in their job, how much it's helped them talk to their upper senior leadership team how much it's helped them get buy-in from their sales team. You know, obviously selfishly, I've gotten a lot of personal gain from doing this podcast, but nothing's made me actually happier, given me more joy than, than hearing stories of people who have like furthered themselves from just stuff that I've just, that MJ and I have just talked about here. You know, it's been, it's been really, that's, that's really the thing I'm going to, I'm going to miss the most is getting kind of those bits of feedback. Cause now I, I work in a, I work in a space now where like 
people give SaaS, SaaS marketing feedback for a dime a dozen. And industrial, it's like it's special. You know, not a lot of people are are dedicating their time to that. And, you know, just to, to hear people just listen to us talk and just hear how much it resonated with you, you know, that to me is just the, the greatest word I'll get from this show. And, um, you know, I'll miss it um, quite a bit. But just anyone who did reach out, just thank you so much for doing that. It, it really kept us going maybe even a little longer than we would have otherwise. So. Totally. All right. For the last time. Yeah, for the last time, you can catch us on uh, all the <laughs> podcasting platforms, Apple, Spotify. Um, you know, you can reach out to MJRI if you want to, just to reminisce at this point. But um, but look, we really we really appreciate your really appreciate your all's listening for for two and a half years. Um, MJRI will still be on plenty of podcasts. We'll still be on LinkedIn. Um, we'll still be doing content. You know, none of that stuff's going to change. I don't think, but. As far as this podcast goes, um, it's it's a wrap, and uh, it's been you know it's been one of the one of the great, just one of, one of the best things I've ever done in my in my professional career, maybe even the greatest to this point. So just just thank you all so much for listening and and, and proving that this works. Honestly, I mean we weren't even sure it was going to work, and we get well over hundred listens an episode. Uh, we've gotten what 250, 300 at our highest, something like that. Like we we get maybe people listen to the show like in the U S and the UK in like Indonesia, like, or India, it's fucking crazy. So thank you all so much for listening and just, just appreciate it. And then just again, check out the manufacturing marketer with Mary and with Brendan, they're going to be posting their first few, uh, some episodes on this channel for a little while, but check them out. They're worth your time. Uh, they're, they're, they do an, they do a, a, a monthly live thing, industrial marketing live. That's worth your time. Like, if you're in, if you're a marketer in manufacturing, check those guys out. They know what they're doing. They are they they basically run and and espouse a lot of the things that MJ and I talk about. And unlike MJ and I, they're actually working with industrial companies now every day. We're I, working, I work at an industrial company. You work for an industrial tech company. Not, <laughs> like, <laughs> All right, and as always, have a great rest, rest of, of your, your day. day. <laughs> so much.